Welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. My ex is Peter C. Haywood. My ex is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley. We were engaged for two years and, and then, then we, we broke, broke up. up and then we stopped talking to each other for a year and now we do a podcast together. Would you have a baby with me? If I can get you to cry next podcast, we'll have a hat trick. <laughs> you don't know this, but I have a very vivid image of what your penis looks like. What? <laughs> if I met you now, I do not think that I would go out with you. Oh my God. I think if I met you now, I'd, I'd fall more in love with you than I did the first time. Hey guys, uh, before it starts, I just thought I'd let you know that when we recorded, I forgot to activate my microphone and about halfway through, I realized that and turned my mic on. So halfway through the podcast, there is a drastic change in my audio quality and that is why. This episode is about euthanasia and we also go into religion. Uh, we don't research this stuff ahead of time, like we just kind of talk about whatever's on our mind and this time it happened to be euthanasia and religion. So I'm sure I got many religious things wrong. Uh, don't don't cite this in any essays. Don't use this as, you know, the definitive source of everything religious. This was just the information I had off the top of my head. Enjoy. Hello, SJ. Hi. How are you? It's morning. We normally record in the morning, though. Yeah, I'm just, I'm really tired. I, I've i been working a lot, so I'm like, blah, blah, blah. What were you doing last night? Kept you up all night, hey? I was actually watching a really great show. <laughs> <laughs> As my way of winding down. What are you watching? I feel sad that you can't watch it because it's on ABC iView. But it's a show called You Can't Ask That. And it's basically talking to... I think we talked about this last week. Did we? Well, well now I actually watch the show. <laughs> I think before I hadn't... I just watched snippets of it. Now I actually watch the show. Uh... They're like 20-minute short docos where they interview people from marginalised groups, basically. And they ask them anonymous questions that people have asked on the internet. The kind of questions people kind of want to know but can't ask. Hence the name. And I was like, <laughs> I was watching it. There was like quite a few people that I knew in there. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I, I there was one about sex workers. And I was like, oh, there's Christian. Oh, there's Tilly. And then, <laughs> you know, I watched the one about Indigenous people in Australia. I watched the one about polyamory oh yeah 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 and and cindy darnell no cindy wasn't on there but Anne and pete were on there which is really cool and they were very very eloquent and smart which is great the one that really got to me was the one about terminal illness so talking to people who had terminal illness and holy fuck i i i bawled oh my god because it's kind of what you would expect in terms of what people said, but then they got to talking about voluntary euthanasia. That's a really heavy, difficult topic, and I've also just been kind of binge listening to the Andrew Denton podcast, Better Off Dead, which is about voluntary euthanasia in Australia. And I don't know if you know about this, but he's just launched a big campaign in Australia called Go Gently Australia, asking for law reform to permit assisted dying in Australia. Fuck. Yeah, and so I've just been consuming a lot of this stuff and it's both really – it's actually life-affirming. You know that whole thing of, like, thinking about your mortality is is kind of helps you appreciate your life a bit more? 
that whole thing. But then uh, voluntary euthanasia, man. And that in this episode of um, You Can't Ask That, they had this one guy, his name's Tony Bex, and he actually, he died earlier this year, just before, like in February, and this thing just came out. They, they all basically said that they w- would consider using voluntary euthanasia or assisted dying. And he talked about, oh, my God, he talked about, I think, his partner's dog. Like, that you know, with animals, we go, oh, my God, they're in so much suffering. Let's put them out of their, their misery. But we don't do that with people in the same way. And he just started, to, he's, like, very kind of, like, sort of happy-go-lucky, take life by the balls kind of guy. And he just started talking about this dog and he just started bawling. Oh, my God, I'm going to start crying again. Um, <laughs> and... Yeah, he just started bawling, thinking about this dog, about how this dog could so simply be put out of its misery and how for him, he wasn't afraid of dying, but he was very afraid of the pain. Um, anyway. <laughs> I think I think I was a, a, when I was a teenager, my dad said to me, like, if I'm ever in a coma or unable to anything like that, uh, don't let them keep me alive. Get them, just hit me on the head with a brick and be done with it. Because that is how my dad speaks. Yeah, I can imagine your dad saying that. And I was, it, that, is, that is one of those things that I, I can, it's another one of those things I can intellectually understand. But for me, like. Yeah, you are very not that. Well, I, I, I don't have, like, I don't want to oppose the laws or anything like that. But I want to be kept alive forever. Like, <laughs> absolutely forever keep me alive even if i'm in pain even if i'm suffering like keep me alive is is really my attitude towards the whole thing yeah which i think what's interesting about the voluntary euthanasia laws is and if you're interested in this stuff the andrew denton podcast is is really good but they found you know the law that that is being proposed in australia is similar to laws in oregon and they found that there's no evidence of a slippery slope or anything like that. And it's only used by, I think, I don't know, like 1% or something. It's quite a... It's quite, it's <laughs> not, not, not of the population. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> of death or that something. Would be... <laughs> or it, it's, it's, not, it's not like 20% of people, you know. It'd be 1% of people with terminal illnesses or something like that. Yes, it's something like that. There's There's certain things like... I think you have you have to repeatedly requested it, and I think one time, one or two times needs to be written, and a few more times orally. So you have to beg for it, basically. I, I don't think beg for it. I don't think it's like beg for it, but like there needs to be time in between as well. Yeah, you need to be super sure. And you have to be you have to have two doctors' approval saying that you're going to die within six months this is the specific laws that are being proposed in australia and it's based off the laws in oregon which i think have then been kind of copied in california obviously there's a process in terms of doing that kind of thing and (laughs) i approve of that (laughs) and it's it's barbiturates that are taken orally so the person has to take it themselves Oh, that's interesting. So that means there's no action by a doctor other than prescribing the medication yeah. that the person chooses themselves when they want to take What's it. What's a barbiturate? No, oh, I don't actually know. I don't actually know. <laughs> I only know it in this context. Genuinely, this this is the, the second context that I've ever heard it. 
the first one is uh, a lion walks into a bar and uh, asks for a drink. And the, the waitress says, actually, sorry, we don't serve lions. And so the lion eats her. And something, something, something punchline is that barbiturate. Oh, oh, okay. And that's so, the only context in which I've heard the word before. <laughs> so it turns out barbiturates are drugs that act as central nervous system depressants and can therefore produce a wide spectrum of effects from mild sedation to total anesthesia. So it doesn't kill you? Uh, I think in in a high enough dose it will. But what's interesting about that is that then you have to have capacity to be able to take and swallow the thing yourself, which depending on what kind of illness you have is not necessarily possible. What would need to be the... like? Would you consider euthanasia for yourself? Yes. Under what circumstances? So I, you know, I've been, <laughs> I've been listening to this podcast and there was this situation that this woman was talking about where she had cancer. Oh my God, it's a really sad story, but she had cancer and... You mean the, the story on the euthanasia podcast that starts with this woman had cancer is a sad story? I'm going to have to hear this to believe it, but okay. I'm skeptical, but I'm listening. There was all this debate about how long she would live, but her son was getting married in 10 weeks, and then she'd gotten hold of uh, Barbiturates online. And so she had the stuff, but then trying to work out when she should, should she take it, and that she was told that potentially at some point she wouldn't be able to swallow anymore, but she wouldn't know when. And, like, her son's wedding was coming up, and... It, it was just this awful situation. And also, if she chose to do it, she'd have to be alone in case she incriminated, like, anyone who was there, particularly her family. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the other aspects of it, is that if people do it in the way that you could, they you, you have to be... There's debate around whether you would be charged, but, yeah, there's this idea that you usually have to do it on your own. Have you ever heard of Dr. Kevorkian? Yes, they talked to Dr. Kevorkian on this podcast. Really? Absolutely, yeah. Because you, you know what the public perception of him was, yeah? Uh, then he's called he's called Dr. Death. Yeah, and like, I grew up hearing the name in the context of like, oh yeah, that's the doctor who murdered all his patients. I genuinely thought he was a serial killer. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's interesting, and I'm not sure if it's that doctor, but when Oregon were pushing for their laws, of which I think they've had voluntary like assisted dying lords for 15 to 20 years and so the evidence of is there a slippery slope is over that period of time which is a significant period of time yeah absolutely but what they did was they had other doctors who were doing things i don't know if they were exactly like that guy dr kevorkian who assisted dying quite a few people he he wrote a book called Ooh, I can't remember what the book is called, but... I like it, the way you use that as a, as a verb. He assisted dying a few people. <laughs> yeah, that's not right. <laughs> he assisted a few... He assisted... I don't know how many. He assisted <laughs> quite a few again, people to die. And he did so, you know, outside of the bounds of legality. But he's also never been taken... Like, he's never been tried or... Really? Gone I was going to ask if he ever went to jail or anything like that, because... Yeah. No, I don't think he did. But I think they were talking in Oregon about uh, some American doctors who were doing, I don't know if it's the exact same stuff, but similar stuff. And they were saying under these new laws, that doctor would be put in jail. Huh. That was kind of their argument. And so they were sort of quite distancing themselves from figures like that. Doctors who have sort of 
gone in the gray area of the law or broken the law probably broken the law no definitely broken the law um (laughs) are people that when they're trying to push law reform often those people have distanced themselves from and Andrew Denton has kind of said like at the same time that some a figure like Dr Kevorkian has pushed this particular issue forward he's also pushed it back in a way if that makes sense by his actions yeah. Because he's doing exactly the kind of stuff that people are afraid would happen if we legalized assisted dying. So, but in answer to your question before of whether I would ever use it, there's this woman in this situation, it sounded really awful. It sounded really, really awful. And one of the things that she was most afraid of was the pain because she'd had experiences where she had had that pain and that drugs couldn't touch it is what she said. So there's this idea that modern medicine can kind of like, you know, they can just give you anesthesia, you won't feel anything. But that doesn't work for absolutely everybody. And for some people, there there will be that pain, even if they're in hospital getting drugs. And so, so to me, that is the kind of thing that, like that level of pain terrifies me. And Andrew Denton talks about at the start of the whole podcast, the reason why he kind of got interested in this stuff is because he watched his his father die 18 years ago in an incredibly painful way. What I think is interesting is like this conversation around like who are these laws for? That's why it needs to be made sure that the people who want to use this are the people themselves because you don't want to make a law that's based on removing the suffering of the families watching someone. Does that make sense? I mean, all law is really tricky because I'm going to use an example which I don't think anyone here is going to agree with, and that's why it's kind of useful because it's something that we can all look at and be like, oh, well, that's clearly wrong. But um, (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) It it would be as if only women were allowed to vote on abortion laws. I'm confused. Oh, I'm confused. Yeah? So abortion is, is a woman's right to choose, a woman's body, a woman's choice, blah, blah, blah. And the, the general consensus in our kind of social circle is it's none of men's business. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm trying to, I'm interested to see where you're going with this. Okay. To me, this really, really obviously directly links us to what we were talking about. It matters who the law is made for. Listen to the people who the law is made for. Oh yeah, sure. I, I, I was just, have you, have you got to the end? Well, no, you keep interrupting to say, I'm curious to see where you're going with this. Uh, and so, yeah. like, this idea that only women should be allowed to vote on abortion laws is an interesting one because the people who oppose abortion laws, at least on the surface, and let, let, let's pretend that people here are, are, are being very genuine about their intention, people who oppose abortion laws are worried about the killing of babies. Uh, technically, the fetuses, but the language used is always, you know, the killing of babies. And so that is a moral question outside of a woman's body you know what i mean like generally the pro-choice movement talks about women's body and the and the the pro-life movement talks about the rights of the fetus or just not even that but the inherent problems with killing something that's helpless and i'm not saying that that is a stance i agree with and i'm not saying that's a reasonable stance i think this is interesting because it's so agreed upon by probably most of our audience that it's a useful one to discuss because there's no like actual fire and brimstone in the argument yeah sure and so the, the, the question is, should the law be made for what is best for the people who it directly affects or should the law be made for what is right as a society? 
So the people it directly affects would be women, right? Yes. But I suppose people would also campaign that it's also babies. Right. Okay, I'm going to use a different example because this one seems to have really confused me. <laughs> can, I just, can I just say on that topic, There's I watched a really short Broadly documentary and Broadly is a, a section of Vice on how the Satanic Temple is uh, protesting for abortion rights. Well, you know what Satanist is, yeah? I didn't know until I watched this documentary, but I'm not sure if it, this was just a particular church. Or... So, so Satanism is this idea that there is no God and so we should celebrate slash worship in inverted commas ourselves. Like that man is, is the greatest thing that exists on the planet and we should be celebrated. And in that sense, in the, the same amount of energy that we put into worshipping God should instead be putting into worshipping ourselves because we are real and we are here and we are doing things. You look so confused. No, no, no. I that's not that's not the impression. I'm I'm sure that there's different factions of the Satanic Church. I'm well, well sure. Satanists was specifically chosen to annoy Christians. Like the name has nothing to do with Satan. Like none of them believe in Satan or worship Satan. But the name was chosen as a counterculture. So where Christianity is about worshiping God, and they see anyone who doesn't worship God as, as Satanists. Satanists are like, fine, we don't worship God. We will be Satanists, and they're all about. Not hedonism exactly, that's a whole different thing, but like they're about the celebration of life and humans. Yeah, well, this particular doco, they looked, there was, I think, seven or nine commandments of the Satanic Church that this was a particular one. I think they got founded in like 2013, so I think it was not very old. (laughs) But all the commandments, I was like, yeah, I'm actually really on board with this. Yeah, Satanists are super sensible. Yeah, yeah, they're just like humanistic sort of commandments they're a little bit childish in that they're like oh what, what would what would annoy people the most okay we're going to call ourselves that it's a bit like the australian sex party which have some really good policies but also they're called the australian sex party like as a political group that is the dumbest I don't know name. where the name came from the name obviously came from them being like hee hee this would be funny but what could we do with it and no i think but originally like a lot of their policies were around sex and sexuality oh yeah yeah that's always, that's always been the case but when they came to choosing a name they weren't like what is a sensible sustainable name they were like what will grab attention and that's exactly what satanists did i mean they were also a tiny tiny minor party yes and they've grown and not changed their name but i think that this satanic church was looking to use the precedents that are used for religious institutions protesting against certain things and at the core of their argument being their religious freedom this is kind of like trying to use that method kind of against that does that make sense yeah like using i'm a member of the satanic church so these are my beliefs so i should so i have the right to assemble you know, and blah, blah, blah. so religious freedom means that i should be granted access to abortion if that makes sense. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, which I thought was really interesting. As a rule, I like the Satanists. I think they tend to have their head screwed on straight. I think their name is a little bit childish, just like the Australian Sex Party, but overall, I, I think that they do cool things. Uh, so I'm going to use a slightly different example, which is um, laws about uh, wearing uh, hijabs or, or burqas or niqabs. I can never remember which, which ones win. But like... Oh my God, you should, you should watch the You Can't Ask That on Muslims. <laughs> I... Still can't, still can't watch it. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, because you're not in Australia. Everyone else should. It was really good. And so the, the, the idea is that, like, wearing that only directly affects the Muslim people who choose to wear that. But as a society, we want to make laws based on what we feel is right. Yes. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. And so I think, I think anytime you're making a law, that's a really interesting way of looking at it, of being like, what takes precedent? The people it's directly affecting or the government signing off on something that the majority of people think is immoral. Yes. I suppose if you wanted to, you could make the argument of like who it directly affects, right? Euthanasia is pretty black and white as to who it directly affects. Yeah, so it directly affects the people who might choose to use it, but then it also directly affects families yeah. of those members and also doctors. Why, why doctors? Um, there's quite an interesting discussion on the podcast about how like the services that doctors can now offer affect them personally both as doctors and as people and then what being able to offer something like um, assisted dying and how that would affect them which I think you know obviously it affects the person who is dying more I'm just saying if you wanted to make an argument about who it affects particularly if you want to make an argument about like hairdressers and I wouldn't make this argument but I can imagine a lot of people being like, well, it directly affects me because when I go into a bank and someone's wearing a headdress where I can't see their face, it makes the whole environment unsafe. I'm just saying I think that that argument could be expanded a lot in a way that wouldn't necessarily be helpful. I'm wondering if, and this is uh, possibly totally nonsense, but I'm wondering if like a big difference in the liberal versus conservative sort of approach to things is that... Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm wrong about this, but liberals tend to be like, who does the law affect? That's who we should ask. And conservatives tend to be like, what is objectively right and wrong? That's what we should do. Huh. Because the conservative movement is to ban euthanasia because they're like, it is murder. It is wrong. People should live. Whereas the liberal approach is, well, let's talk to the people. Let's talk to the families. Let's talk to the doctors. And my understanding is that the majority of people, families and doctors are very pro-euthanasia, pro-voluntary euthanasia. But that is not that doesn't factor in when when conservatives are making their arguments, and whether it should like that's an interesting question to me. They had a on the podcast. I keep talking about this podcast. Better off dead. I'm obviously going to link to well, you're going to link to all of these things in the show notes. But they did talk to a religious person who was morally opposed to assisted dying. Yeah. But in favor of an assisted dying law. Yeah, yeah, you can find a lot of people who have that approach. In the same way that Andrew Denton, when he did, he did a talk to the National Press Club in Australia and he said, look, we know people will not all be for that and that's okay. This is for people who would like this available to them. So the church, you don't have to use this. Doctors, you don't have to do this unless, unless you feel okay with it. He actually asked, please step aside in this debate because we understand that it may not be your thing, but you can't speak for everyone kind of thing. It's so difficult, though, because from my understanding, and you would know better because you have experience of being religious, I think there's aspects of some churches where, you know, you want to kind of save other people so if assisted dying is is <laughs> like well okay first of all what do you mean by save people because if you mean bring them to christ then that is the entire evangelical movement yeah yeah so what i mean is like so assisted dying like suicide is like if you suicide you'll end up in hell kind of yes yeah, so, so uh, i want to give you a really really brief overview of christianity um are you aware of catholic and protestant I'm aware that they're words. <laughs> okay, so... Uh... <laughs> I, 
I'm so religiously illiterate. <laughs> I'm going to give you a five-minute crash course. Are you ready? Yeah. The Old Testament is shared by all the Abrahamic religions, which is Christianity, uh, Muslim, uh, sorry, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. They all share the Old Testament. The New Testament is about the coming of Christ, and that is only canonical in the Christian religion. Oh. And then Mormons, side note, have a third uh, third gospel called the Book of Mormon. So they have a, they, they have a little trilogy going on. But the second, the New Testament <laughs> is... Uh, like Lord of the Rings. Is like Lord, Lord of the of Rings. Rings. Yeah. <laughs> That's a line from uh, the Book of Mormon. <laughs> And so the, uh, the New Testament is about Jesus coming to earth and jumping around and doing some dances and then dying again. And over the course of that book, he meets some people called the disciples. And one of them, P- Peter, is his best disciple, obviously. <laughs> Peter then started a church called Catholicism. And he was declared to be the first pope. The pope is like the person... Are you taking notes? <laughs> yeah, I am. So the Pope is considered to be the head of the Catholic Church. He talks directly to God, or he can talk directly to God, and he is the boss of the Catholic Church. Yeah, I've heard that. So wait and wait and wait. Jesus had disciples. One of them was Peter. Yeah. Another one was Paul. There was Matthew, Mark. Yeah. No, actually, I'm not and sure which, whether they're disciples or not. He had Judas, who who fucked him over. Judas betrayed him. Yeah. Here's uh, here's your recommended watching. Uh, go check out Jesus Christ Superstar, and. Okay. The Book of Mormon and The Da Vinci Code. And that'll give you a vague overview of a lot of the things. So I've listened to The Book of Mormon, the like soundtrack, and it's really good. And I just realized, <laughs> I don't know if the, the stage show is still in town in Melbourne, but I really want to go see it. You should definitely go see it. If anyone here has free tickets to it, wants to give them to me. So if you believe that the Pope is, you know, the direct line of, of Christianity, etc., then you're a Catholic. If you believe that like... You know, Peter was the Pope, and then he declared the next Pope, and so on and so forth. And there's a line right down to the current Pope, whose name I've forgotten, and that is Catholicism. All of those people who believe in the Pope are Catholic, and that's something like 1.5 billion people worldwide. Wow. Okay, that's a lot of people. Everyone who is Christian, but not everyone, but the majority of people who are Christian but not Catholic are referred to as Protestant, which... Protestant is is more of a specific thing, but Protestant is basically anyone who is not Catholic but is still Christian and they don't believe in the Pope. So Protestantism has a bunch of different branches such as uh, Anglican, Uniting, Baptist. uh, Anything that you've heard of that isn't Catholic is probably Protestant. Oh, I think I went to an Anglican school. Yes, yes. So Anglican literally means England, Church of England. And the head of the Church of England is the Queen of England. So much more of my life is making sense. <laughs> and Anglicans have really specific Wait beliefs. Wait the head of the Anglican Church is the Queen of England. Yes. Anglicanism is the official church of England. Oh. Wait on, wait on. What are the other Protestant ones? Anglican. Uh, so, so there's Baptist. Others. There's oh, Baptist. Uh, Uniting Church is an Australian one. There, basically, anything you've heard of that isn't Catholic is probably a different branch of Protestant, Protestantism. Okay, sure. Also, I'm going to link to some amazing CGP Grey videos, which help explain this a little bit as well, uh, such as the fact that the head of the ch- head of England is technically the crown, and the crown is given their power by God directly. Oh, England is a theocracy. What? But, England but is a theocracy. But they don't actually. But those people don't actually really have power, do they? The Queen of England, not a lot of power, but still some power. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. The, the the rule is basically the Queen of England has power, and if she ever uses it, that power will be taken away from her because no one wants her to have that power. As long as she's not using it, no one really cares. Oh, okay. That's uh, 
This reminds me of this a really, really great video called The History of Japan. Have yeah. you seen it? Yeah. And it's it reminds so me about how they have like the shogun and yeah, the emperor and the emperor doesn't really have power. It's actually the shogun who's the head of the military. Anyway, watch that. That's a really, really, really good video. The big the big churches that I wouldn't I don't think are technically Protestant are Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness. Mormons have a whole third gospel and they have their own religion and I'm totally obsessed with Mormons. And Jehovah's Witnesses also have very different beliefs. They might technically be Protestant. I don't actually know. I should. I have a friend who's a Jehovah, who was a Jehovah's Witness. Oh, you should definitely ask him. It's a fascinating religion. Yeah, I'll ask him. It sounds. Yeah. Well, he used to be a Jehovah's Witness. And so I mentioned this because Catholicism, because they have the Pope who can directly talk to God. Powerful. Whenever there is any ambiguity in the Bible, they don't have to be like, "What do we think he meant?" They can just ask God. They ask the Pope. That's why the Pope, it's really important that he says don't use condoms or do use condoms or actually, oh, right. And so Catholicism has a bunch of really specific rituals and really specific laws, uh, not laws, but like commandments and sins and stuff like that, that isn't necessarily in the Bible because they don't need it to be in the Bible because they can just phone up God anytime and find out. Because they got the Pope. Uh, Side note, Mormonism has the prophet who serves the exact same role. Yes. Ah, that's so convenient having a pope. Yeah, and so in the like eighteen whatevers, uh, the prophet of the Mormon Church was like, "Hey, I just talked to God. Turns out uh, multiple marriage is not allowed," and so that splintered the Church of LDS into a bunch of different Mormon sects. Many of which were like, "That guy wasn't the real prophet. We have the real prophet." Oh wow, that's so convenient. Yeah. <laughs> but so does that mean like the pope can change his mind if no. God changes his mind? So the Pope hasn't actually used this power since, like, I think the 1950s was the last time. There's a whole set of specific stuff that has to happen before the Pope directly talks to God. I personally don't believe any of this is true, but that is that is how it works. <laughs> but doesn't the Pope come out and have opinions on stuff all the time? Or are they just Pope opinions rather than They're God opinions? They're just Pope opinions rather than God opinions. <laughs> okay. And so the reason I bring this up is that the Catholic Church, as you can imagine, has a bunch of very, very, very specific rules about what you can and can't do that the rest of Christianity doesn't have. And in the Catholic Church, suicide is a mortal sin. Yeah, that's what that was my understanding. Yeah, so a mortal sin is one that you can't just like pray to God and have forgiven. It is one that you have to go to a priest and they will be like, look, I've been sanctioned by God to forgive this, but you have to do this to repent. But if you are dead, you can't repent. Exactly. So suicide in the Catholic Church is a one-way ticket to hell. And then there's a bunch of other religions that have a bunch of other opinions on it, as you can imagine, within Christianity. I figured it was complicated. It's Yeah, but does that does that help explain it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's this, I, I, I suppose what I was getting at is like, it's not enough to be like, okay, well, I'm not going to go to hell, but these other people who do want to do that are going to hell. Because isn't there this idea that you should try and save your fellow man from well, I, going to I hell? Mean, there is. I don't think it's as relevant as you think it is. I think most people, oh. as, as a rule, people want the laws of the land to match the law of God. Sure. Because, you know, Im- imagine, if, if, imagine if your guitar, which I can see behind you, imagine if your guitar, you believed firmly that that guitar knew exactly what was right and wrong. Why would you have any laws other than what that guitar told you to do? See, I feel like I live in a country where often, (laughs) so we just recently had an election and just that process was quite, I found quite demoralizing because that's when I remember that I'm in a minority in terms of my personal beliefs. Yeah. And 
that's when I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so the way the country works, like big parts of it are really not... They, they don't align with you in the slightest. That's, yeah. that's one of the dangers of being in an echo chamber, which not that you're extremely an echo chamber, but you tend to hang out with very left-wing people who share your... You know, your friends tend to share your opinions and beliefs, and that's totally fine. But I also understand that not everyone shares... I, I understand that I'm in the minority. Right, I but suppose it can be it's jarring. It's, I think it's jarring when you when you realize that being in that minority means that all like all the time everything is not gonna be how you think it should be. Yeah, <laughs> which is like kind of like selfish, but also <laughs> when you're Makes like, sense. I'm fucking right. What the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> Why is Pauline Hanson here? And, and so this, this idea of like people killing themselves mean that they can't be saved by Christianity. I don't think I could be totally wrong about this, but I don't think that's a driving force in preventing euthanasia. I think it's that people are like, look, the guy who made everything and who literally is the embodiment of good has said, this is what's good and bad. Why would we make laws that do anything other than match up with exactly what that guy says? Yeah, sure. Man, that's complicated. <laughs> and so because... Catholics believe that it's a mortal sin. I'm pretty sure most branches of, of religion believe it's a sin, but what is and isn't a sin really changes uh, roughly 20 years behind the rest of society. It's weird how that happens, almost like clockwork. You mean as in when everyone's like, actually, no, a sister dying's okay, and then 20 years later... Religion comes out and is like, of course it's okay. Oh, people <laughs> said it wasn't. Man, those, those older religious people, they did not know what God really wanted, but I do. Oh, really? I know people who are very heavily religious. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with people being heavily religious. But I used to read the blog of one person I'm thinking of in particular who's about like seven or eight years younger than me. And she wrote this blog post once when she was uh, 18 or 19 being really frustrated because her church leader didn't understand that God was actually totally fine with gay people. Oh, yeah. Because she knew that God was fine with gay people because God is love and God is acceptance and God is generosity. Yeah. And she was so frustrated that her leader couldn't see that, that like the leader of her church couldn't understand what was so obvious to her, which is that God was pro gay people. I'm not sure what your point is. I struggle with religious people. It just, I find it really frustrating. This idea of, of an 18 year old kid being like, I know for a fact what the creator of the universe oh. wants in a way that someone who has been religious for 40 years doesn't understand. And it's really frustrating that God has made himself clear to me, but not to this other person. I find that really frustrating because like, it's so self-centered to be like, I obviously know the correct interpretation of God's words and God's spirit. Whereas this person who is as fanatically religious as me, and not only like in the same religion, but in the exact same church (laughs) as me, doesn't get it there's a certain level of of ego in there it's so funny because i think about that in terms of like uh like non-religious social justice groups like like that i was just like that like that mentality is not anything to do with well i don't know i i just can identify that mentality as being everywhere of like no your particular breed of feminism is totally wrong yeah, it's, it's not unique to religion, but I was exposed to it a lot in religion. And to me, and possibly falling to the same fallacy myself, like it's really obvious to me that 
God isn't sitting up there being like, hey, I'm going to tell this one person exactly how I feel, and then I'm going to tell the person next to them something really different. Ha ha, I'm going to mess with them. And it's not God being like, guys, I'm trying to be so clear here, and the two people being like, well, I've just misinterpreted these signs. Like, it seems pretty apparent that what people think is God speaking directly to them is probably not. I just feel like isn't... I, I, I can't I find it difficult to um, like relate to what that experience might be like but I imagine that if you felt like God had told you something you would feel like you really 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 believed that thing like I feel like it would just be like a really strong opinion not opinion opinion sounds yeah but well, I don't know that's the only God, way that I can try and relate God to is it is the truth <laughs> here, here, here's something that you might relate but to the truth is grey it would be like if <laughs> I said to you hey SJ I really like the color blue. I am aware. And then you were talking to Sally and Sally was like, Peter doesn't like the color blue. You'd be like, no, he definitely does. He was explicit. He told me that. Like, it's not uh, even an opinion. It's just a fact, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is that helpful comparison? It is, except like if you weren't something I could see or hear. But they, they think they can. Like people who are religious genuinely believe that. I mean, uh, yeah, I know. I just... I just I can't completely relate to that to that experience. It, it's yeah, it's fascinating to me. I used to think God spoke to me. Really? Yeah, I, I was oh, religious up until so the age you of know. Like 16, 17, Yeah. Yeah, but I didn't know that you that that. I I didn't think he appeared in the room and said words, but I would like look for signs because that's what you're, you're taught to do from a young age. You're taught to look for signs from God, and then it's um. Not confirmation bias exactly, but yeah, it, it is. It, it's selectively looking for the signs. Like if I'm like, oh man, I really want to do this thing, but I got to check with God. I am more likely to notice these signs that happen to agree with exactly what I'm thinking. You know. I think everyone ever should should look up like corresponding bias and confirmation bias. <laughs> and I someone from I think it was on the Patreon uh, linked to like the Wikipedia article of all of the psychological yeah. biases that are around or that people have put their fingers on and i was like oh man <laughs> yeah it, it, is a, it is the hardest lesson that i think everyone needs to learn which is that you cannot 100 percent trust your own experiences yeah i feel that it is really fucking hard to learn but it is so vital i believe i think it also makes you more calm for me when i am able to be like huh maybe i'm wrong about this then I'm like I'm particularly less angry. Well, yeah, a lot of people are really raised to be like being wrong is bad, and so it's important to people to be right in a way that is not always healthy. Yeah, but I can still be angry, but I can be like, but I can understand where that person is coming from. Yeah, it's very it makes and it makes me less angry. I have a question for you. Yeah, euthanasia is illegal. It, it is in Australia. No, no, that's <laughs> this is a scenario I'm setting up. Oh, okay. Euthanasia. Well, is legal? I have to go really soon. I know, I'm wrapping up, you fucking okay. bitch. <laughs> you can't. You interrupted me four times. <laughs> uh, here's a question. Okay, go. Euthanasia is legal. Okay. I Legal? Am... No, legal. Is illegal. God. Is illegal. Okay. <laughs> yes. Euthanasia is illegal. Okay. I am dying of something painful. Yes. I ask you to euthanize me. What do you do? Well... <clears throat> I mean, first of all, I don't know how to euthanize someone. If I'm plugged in and I ask you to pull the plug. Oh, it would be really, really complicated. But if you, like, say if you got diagnosed with um, something, uh, 
that was so, term, I was, I was terminal. On support and yeah, I, I okay. So that's really that's really different if someone's at that point. But say you are still re- like really capable and well, but you know that in the next twelve months you are going to die and it's probably going to be really, 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 really painful. Yeah. And you're like, I want to look into this thing. I would, I would, I would walk beside you in that process. But like, if if I was not physically able to, would you be the one to do it? No, I wouldn't do it. Why? It's that whole, it's that trolley, that trolley. (laughs) The the trolley (laughs) problems. We should do a whole episode on the trolley problems. It's so interesting. Also, there's like a, there's also like to, to be honest, there's also a legal thing around oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's it's that's different what to I was like asking. talk to your friend and support them no, no, while I understand they go that. through the process. Of that was blah, the blah, key blah. part yeah. that I was trying to ask. Like, would you break the law to put me out of my misery? Uh, I don't think so. I I don't know what I would do. I would probably be like hysterical at the doctors, pretty much. Yeah. Because when, when I was a teenager, my dad was like, hey, if I'm ever suffering, put me out of my misery. And it wasn't until years later, I was like, oh, fuck, that's really illegal. Like, <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. just casually asking me. He was casually asking me to do a thing, but he was casually asking me to do a thing that is really illegal. I think another good question is, like, if someone had the method to do that, would you actually physically be with them when they did it? I would be because I want to experience, like, you know, I love you. And if you were going to do it, I'd want to experience as much as you as I could. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Are you mocking me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I don't think I've ever so quickly cried. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I just, like, ate a bunch of wasabi. That's so interesting because that's not how I would think about it. I just wouldn't like my motivation would be for someone to not be alone, like yeah, rather I, than. I mean that that's also a factor, but like, yeah, I, like if 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 you were if you were if you had six months to live and you were considering euthanizing, is that the right verb? That feels wrong. If you were considering, if you were considering euthanasia, if you were considering voluntary euthanasia, uh, like my argument would be like, hey. What if we started recording a podcast about you dying? And that way, like, you will still be in this pain, but you'll be leaving something really significant and beautiful behind. There's actually... The last thing that I want to mention before we wrap up is there's actually a video from... Uh, I think she's... I think she was 28, 29 at the time, American, called Brittany. They talk about it in the Andrew Denter podcast. And she recorded these videos while she was um, dying and... They were calling for a change in the uh, assisted dying laws in California because she moved to Oregon to be able to take advantage of take advantage of to, to be able to use the the laws that were there. The laws that were there, yeah. And I think what's interesting about this particular issue is the people who are it affects often aren't around for a very long time to be advocates yeah. to campaign. Yeah, so it's often the families, but this thing of of now there's all this new media and people can can take videos. I think it means that that you know their story, you know, obviously can can live on and can be utilized in that way. So this week's outro is from Google. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, that was an unexpected episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Gomez is based in Toronto and sent us this lovely outro and also said he'd buy me a beer sometime. So I'm looking forward to meeting really? Gomez. Oh, cool. Thanks for listening to Being Honest with My Ex. If you've enjoyed the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review, and tell your friends. Peter is my favorite son. Well, he's my only son. I didn't even know I had a son. I probably owe him a phone call? Shit. <laughs> I'm not ready to be a dad. <laughs> so thanks, he totally Pop, owes you that beer. Yeah, no. Estranged it's, it's, Father Gomez. It's been 28 years now, Gomez. What have you been doing? <laughs> That's all from us this week. Um, as always, if you have thoughts, please email us. Contact at being honest with your ex. Nope. As always, if you have thoughts, please email us. Contact us. Oh, fuck it up. Can you say it? As always, if you have thoughts, this episode might particularly produce thoughts. Uh, you can contact us at contact at beinghonestwithmyex.com. SJ has a Patreon, which you should totally check out. Patreon.com slash Honor Eastly. And send us an outro. And I just finally sent out all of the postcards, which was, it was really <laughs> fun to write. Someone asked me to write a postcard that was meant for all the people who might read the postcard in the process of it getting sent to them in England. <laughs> so it was this That's postcard hilarious. that was like, my dear so-and-so. I feel like I know you even though I only glanced at you on the train one time and then I've spent the last 10 months searching for you. Good thing I have a brother in the CIA. <laughs> like <laughs> I've sent you like three different friend requests on Facebook and 72 emails, but you still won't reply. Please respond. <laughs> so if you want SJ to stalk you, just sign up to <laughs> Patreon. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with more thoughts about euthanasia. No. <laughs> thoughts about something else. We'll have thoughts about something. Goodbye. Bye-bye.